welcome to the McDark Horror Series. The girl driving the old blue sedan was a senior at the high school. She lived on a farm about eight miles away and used the car to drive back and forth. She had driven into town that night to see a basketball game. Now she was on her way back home. As she pulled away from the school, she noticed a red pickup truck follow her out of the parking lot. A few minutes later, the truck was still behind her. I guess we're going in the same direction, she thought. She began to watch the truck in her mirror. When she changed her speed, the driver of the truck changed his speed. When she passed the car, so did he. Then he turned on his high beams, flooding her car with light. He left them on for almost a minute. He probably wants to pass me, she thought. But she was becoming uneasy. Usually she drove home over a back road. Not too many people went that way. But when she turned onto that road, so did the truck. I've got to get away from him, she thought. And she began to drive faster. Then he turned his high beams on again. After a minute, he turned them off. Then he turned them on again and off again. She drove even faster, but the truck driver stayed right behind her. Then he turned his high beams on again. Once more, her car was ablaze with light. What is he doing? she wondered. What does he want? Then he turned them off again. But a minute later, he had them on again and he left them on. At last, she pulled into her driveway and the truck pulled in right behind her. She jumped from the car and ran to the house. Call the police! She screamed at her father. Out in the driveway, she could see the driver of the truck. He had a gun in his hand. When the police arrived, they started to arrest him, but he pointed to the girl's car. You don't want me, he said. You want him. Crouched behind the driver's seat, there was a man with a knife. As the driver of the truck explained it, the man slipped into the girl's car just before she left the school. He saw it happen, but there was no way he could stop it. He thought about getting the police, but he was afraid to leave her. So he followed her car. Each time the man in the back seat reached up to overpower her, the driver of the truck turned on his high beams. Then the man dropped down, afraid that someone might see him. Aaron Kelly was dead. They bought him a coffin and had a funeral and buried him. But that night he got out of his coffin and he came home. His family was sitting around the fire when he walked in. He sat down next to his widow and he said, What's going on? Y'all act like someone's died. Who's dead? His widow said, You are? I don't feel dead. He said, I feel fine. You don't look fine. 
His widow said, You look dead. You better get back to the grave where you belong. I'm not going back to the grave until I feel dead. He said, Since Aaron wouldn't go back, his widow couldn't collect his life insurance. Without that, she couldn't pay for the coffin. And the undertaker said he would take it back. Aaron didn't care. He just sat by the fire, rocking in a chair and warming his hands and feet. But his joints were dry, and his back was stiff. And every time he moved, he creaked and cracked. One night, the best fiddler in town came to court the widow. Since Aaron was dead, the fiddler wanted to marry her. The two of them sat on one side of the fire, and Aaron sat on the other side, creaking and cracking. How long do we have to put up with this dead corpse? The widow asked. Something must be done, the fiddler said. This isn't very jolly, Aaron said. Let's dance. The fiddler got out his fiddle and began to play. Aaron stretched himself, shook himself, got up, took a step or two and began to dance. With his old bones rattling and his yellow teeth snapping and his bald head wagging and his arms flip-flopping, around and around he went. With his long legs clicking and his knee bones knocking, he skipped and pranced around the room. How that dead man danced! But pretty soon, a bone worked loose and fell to the floor. Look at that! said the fiddler. Play faster! said the widow. The fiddler played faster. Crickety crack down and back. The dead man went hopping, and his dry bones kept dropping. This way, that way, the pieces just kept popping. Play, man, play! cried the widow. The fiddler fiddled, and dead Aaron danced. Then Aaron fell apart, collapsed into a pile of bones, all except his bald head bone that grinned at the fiddler, cracked its teeth, and kept dancing. Look at that! groaned the fiddler. Play louder! cried the widow. Ho ho! said the headbone. Ain't we having fun? The fiddler couldn't stand it. Widow, he said. I'm going home. And he never came back. The family gathered up Aaron's bones and put them back in the coffin. They mixed them up so he couldn't fit them together. After that, Aaron stayed in his grave. But his widow never did get married again. Aaron had seen to that. The young man invited a young woman to a formal dance, but she was very poor. She could not afford to buy the evening gown she needed for such an occasion. Maybe you can rent a dress, her mother said. So she went to a pawn shop not far from where she lived. There she found a white satin evening gown in her size. She looked lovely in it, and she was able to rent it for very little. When she arrived at the dance with her friends, she was so attractive, everyone wanted to meet her. She danced again and again and was having a wonderful time. But then she began to feel dizzy and faint, and she asked her friend to take her home. I think I've danced too much. 
she told him. When she got home, she laid down on her bed. The next morning, her father found that her daughter had died. The doctor did not understand what had caused her death. So he had the coroner perform an autopsy. The coroner found that she had been poisoned by embalming fluid. It had stopped her blood from flowing. There were traces of the fluid on her dress. He decided it had entered her skin when she perspired while she was dancing. The pawnbroker said he bought the dress from an undertaker's helper. It had been used in a funeral for another young woman, and the helper had stolen it just before she was buried. Sam Lewis spent the evening playing chess at his friend's house. It was about midnight when they finished their game, and he started home. Outside it was icy cold, as quiet as the grave. As he came around a turn in the road, he was surprised to see a woman walking ahead of him. She was carrying a basket covered with a white cloth. When he caught up to her, he looked to see who it was. But she was so bundled up against the cold, it was hard to see her face. Good evening, Sam said. What brings you out so late? But she didn't answer. Then he said, May I carry a basket? She handed it to him. From under the cloth, a small voice said, That's very nice of you. And that was followed by wild laughter. <laughs> Sam was so startled that he dropped the basket and outrolled the woman's head. He looked at the head and he stared at the woman. It's her head! He cried. And he started to run and the woman and her head began to chase him. Soon the head cut up to him. It bounded into the air and sunk its teeth into his left leg. Sam screamed with pain and ran faster. Ah! But the woman on their head stayed right behind. Soon the head leapt into the air again, bit into his other leg. Then they were gone. A businessman arrived at a hotel late one night and asked for a room. The room clerk told him the hotel was all filled up. There's only one empty room, he said. But we don't rent that because it's haunted. I'll take it, said the businessman. I don't believe in ghosts. The man went up to the room, unpacked his things and went to bed. As soon as he did, a ghost came out of the closet. Its fingers were bleeding and it was moaning. Bloody fingers! Bloody fingers! When the man saw the ghost, he grabbed his things and ran. The next night, a woman arrived very late. Again, all the rooms were taken except for the haunted room. I'll sleep there, she said. I'm not afraid of ghosts. As soon as she got into bed, the ghost came out of the closet. Its fingers still were bleeding. It still was moaning. Bloody fingers! Bloody fingers! The woman took one look and ran. A week later, another guest arrived very late. He also took the haunted room. After he unpacked, he got out his guitar and began to play. 
Soon the ghost appeared. As before, its fingers were bleeding, and it was moaning. Bloody fingers! Bloody fingers! The man paid no attention, just kept strumming his guitar. But the ghost kept moaning, and its fingers kept bleeding. Finally, the guitar player looked up. Cool it, man, he said. Get yourself a band-aid. A wealthy man wanted to go hunting in a part of northern Canada where few people had ever hunted. He traveled to a trading post and tried to find a guy to take him, but no one would do it. It was too dangerous, they said. Finally, he found an Indian who needed money badly, and he agreed to take him. The Indian's name was Defago. They made camp in the snow near a large frozen lake. For three days they hunted, but they had nothing to show for it. The third night, a windstorm came up. They lay in their tent listening to the wind howling and the trees whipping back and forth. To see the storm better, the hunter opened the tent flap. What he saw startled him. There wasn't a breath of air stirring, and the trees were standing perfectly still. Yet he could hear the wind howling. And the more he listened, the more it sounded, as if it were calling Defago's name. I must be losing my mind, the hunter thought. But Defago had gotten out of his sleeping bag. He was huddled in a corner of the tent, his head buried in his arms. What's all this about? The hunter asked. It's nothing, Defago said. But the wind continued to call to him, and Defago became more tense and more restless. Defago! Suddenly he jumped to his feet and he began to run from the tent. But the hunter grabbed him and wrestled him to the ground. You can't leave me out here! The hunter shouted. Then the wind called again. And Defago broke loose and ran into the darkness. The hunter could hear him screaming as he went. Again and again he cried. Oh, my fiery feet! My burning feet of fire! Then his voice faded away, and the wind died down. At daybreak, the hunter followed Defago's tracks in the snow. They went through the woods, down towards the lake then out onto the ice. But soon he noticed something strange. The steps Defago had taken got longer and longer. They were so long, no human being could have taken them. It was as if something had helped him to hurry away. The hunter followed the tracks out to the middle of the lake, 
but there they disappeared. At first, he thought that Defago had fallen through the ice, but there wasn't any hole. Then he thought that something had pulled him off the ice into the sky, but that made no sense. As he stood wondering what had happened, the wind picked up again. Soon it was howling as it had the night before. Then he heard Defago's voice. It was coming from up above. And again, he heard Defago screaming. My fiery feet! My burning feet! But there was nothing to be seen. Now the hunter wanted to leave that place as fast as he could. He went back to camp and packed. Then he left some food for Defago, and he started out. Weeks later, he reached civilization. The following year, he went back to hunt in that area again. He went to the same trading post to look for a guide. The people there could not explain what had happened to Defago that night. But they had not seen him since then. Maybe it was the Wendigo. <laughs> One of them said, and he laughed. It's supposed to come with the wind. It drags you along at great speed until your feet are burned away, and more of you than that. Then it carries you into the sky and it drops you. It's just a crazy story, but that's what some of the Indians say. A few days later, the hunter was at the trading post again. An Indian came in and sat by the fire. He had a blanket wrapped around him, and he wore his hat so that you couldn't see his face. The hunter thought that there was something familiar about him. He walked over and he asked, Are you Defago? The Indian didn't answer. Do you know anything about him? No answer. He began to wonder if something was wrong, if the man needed help, but he couldn't see his face. Are you all right? He asked. To get a look at him, he lifted the Indian's hat. Then he screamed. Ah! There was nothing under the hat but a pile of ashes. It was nine o'clock in the evening. Everybody was sitting on the couch in front of the TV. There was Richard, Brian, Jenny, and Doreen, the babysitter. The telephone rang. Maybe it's your mother, said Doreen. She picked up the phone. Before she could say a word, a man laughed hysterically and hung up. <coughs> Who was it? asked Richard. Some nut, said Doreen. What did I miss? At 9.30, the telephone rang again. Doreen answered it. It was the man who had called before. I'll be there soon. He said, and he laughed and hung up. <laughs> who was it? The children asked. Some crazy person, she said. About 10 o'clock, the telephone rang again. Jenny got to it first. Hello? She said, It was the same man. One more hour. He said, and he laughed and hung up. He said one more hour. What did he mean? Asked Jenny. Don't worry, said Doreen. It's somebody fooling around. 
I'm scared, said Jenny. About 10.30, the telephone rang once more. When Doreen picked it up, the man said, Why are you doing this? Doreen screamed, and he hung up. Was it that guy again? asked Brian. Yes, said Doreen. I'm going to call the operator and complain. The operator told her to call back if it happened again, and she would try to trace the call. At eleven o'clock, the telephone rang again. Doreen answered it. The man said, and he laughed, and hung up. Doreen called the operator. Almost at once, she called back. That person is calling from a telephone upstairs. She said, You'd better leave. I'll get the police. Just then, a door upstairs opened. A man they had never seen before started down the stairs towards them. As they ran from the house, he was smiling in a very strange way. A few minutes later, the police found him there and arrested him. <laughs> 